0: hi guys i'm a long listener and a big fan of the startup diary living and working in vienna austria originally from south london i started yak charter booking agency with my friend now business partner sale charter international the plug this guy knows what he's doing respect that even though vienna is classed as the best city in the world to live i still get the highs and lows of a startup business owner here thanks to your banter and the many great ideas I've started consulting for Yak Charter operators to help the cash flow and found a new business model to work with. My tagline is, get your business anchored and we will verify your company standards. Keep up the good work. It's not impossible to have too much fun. Cheers, Frank. PS, I would love to hear this read out on air and give a big shout out to the non-UK listeners. So a huge shout out to our non-UK listeners. Guys, if you haven't left us that five-star review yet, go ahead and do it. And don't forget to leave the plug, just like Frank did on that note. Let's get into today's episode. <laughs>
1: Hey guys, and welcome to episode 329 of The Startup Diary. I am Harrison Mudge and I'm with
0: my co-host, Adam Callow. Hey guys, thanks for joining us, and thank you, Harry, for that intro, mate. You haven't had a coffee this morning, but you still seem full of beans, which is good to see. Just riding high on ketones, mate. (laughs) So guys, if you are new here, that's an inside joke, he's having a bit of a sass and a dig at me. Um, If you're new here, this is where we share what it's truly like to build a small business. We are six years in the making, 14 people, and we've done consulting, we've bootstrapped, we've raised venture capital, and we make mistakes every single day. And we're here to help you avoid making those same ones too, so you can build a successful business and enjoy the life that you're building. Harry, what are we talking about today, my friend? We have got
1: a bunch to talk about today, Adam. We've got some, I guess you call it content marketing. We've got another listener question, and then we'll finish off with what we're on with and kind of what we're into as well this week. But first, Adam, topic of the show, ET Academy. Mm -hmm. Talk to me. Okay, so first of all, explain. Let's, let's, Let's take the listeners on a journey. Let's take it back. Let's take it to where it all began
0: how far back do we want to go on this so i, I guess the, the year was 1989 uh, <laughs> the uh the origin story i guess to go back to uh makes it sound way more glamorous than it is is a bit of context so the business that i run is called expert trades we're basically trying to build the largest community for trade professionals and help them run a professional and profitable business And we do that through a number of different ways. We build services for our members um, because these guys are what we class as accidental business owners. So they're fantastic at what they do, great working on the tools, but most of them don't know how to run a business because they didn't sign up for that. They signed up to Mm -hmm. like put boilers on walls and do beautiful kitchens and bathrooms and all that. They then have to learn to, to do the business side of it. And the thing that I love most is the business side of what we do, the sales, the marketing, the operations. So the more and more I spoke to our members, we started to think actually, all these inbound emails, how do I do Facebook ads? How do I get more conversions when I'm selling to a customer? We then package something up called Expert Trades Live. So Expert Trades Live is one day workshops. Mm -hmm. Probably the highlight of my month every month. So I tend to do one a month. I get to meet eight, 10, 12 of our members and I run a sales workshop or a marketing workshop. And that's getting all these people in a room and covering them from the basics through to some more of the technical side of sales and marketing. And I absolutely love it. And we've been doing it now for for 18 months, nearly two years, everyone gets like a workbook. I get to build real relationships with the community and all the follow-up emails I get off the back of it. Weirdly, are the things that sort of like float my boat, mm. like the impact that we're making, I get to see it uh, in person with these real people. And I get a message saying, Hey, uh, I tried this thing and it worked. I just won this quote. And that's the stuff that I really enjoy. Um, so that's the, that's sort of like the the origin story of it. I think the thing that we, so where I'm at right now is we're sort of scaling the business up and we've got new people coming into the team that are taking on some of the responsibilities that I do, um, including people like Alan, who's our new business development manager. And I was trying to work out how we scale the parts of the business up that are working mm-hmm. and making sure that we're not doing anything new. We're just doing what we do today, but better. And one thing that I love is Expert Trades Live, but it doesn't scale. And what I mean by that is I still have a business to run. i still got a 14, 15 yep. person company to run. I can't go and go off on a jolly it are jolly because I enjoy it that much go and spend a day with 12 of our members and teach them to do sales training when I've got a business to run here so I couldn't give more than one day a month and as we grow the team out further I'd probably struggle to do that more um, yeah and, and the numbers if I'm not mistaken like 12 is like a
1: big number You, could, it's not like you could just say well if you scale it up to just have like 50 to 100 people in the room it's not that's that's not possible either because like the interactions in those days is you need the small team so you can speak to people, someone yeah. can ask a question. There's a bit of back and forth because from my understanding, cause I've been in the room as well. They have the workbook. Uh, you get everyone to write down, for example, their own circumstance and mm-hmm. then try and find, a, uh, for example, how do you sell how do you upsell them on your service whether it's a uh, well they're all they're all
0: uh, heating engineers right uh, we've done one multi-trade day okay. but mainly heating engineers but you're right the, the day is set up and I guess there's there's some terminology here the day is set up as a workshop yep. um, compared to a seminar so it's not imagine it's not me on yeah. stage saying yeah. hey here's mm. two hours worth of stuff like macro high level uh like ideas, we go really like tactical, mm. like I th- physically, I th- like what to say. You, like you could
1: you could get quite far with that and make some big money off that just by going and doing talks. Mm-hmm. But I think because this is this is like community focused and and you're trying to help these guys, it doesn't it does make sense. You the big talks will be more industry facing.
0: Yeah, and I think if I sort of like zoom in a little bit on on me as a person, I love to do this as a marketing side, but there's a risk that if I don't actually become a practitioner in terms of have the time to go and do this work, do the sales training, do like keep doing the selling as I do in the business now, but keep doing the marketing, trying different platforms, like there's a risk that my content wouldn't stay relevant. Mm. So I sort of said, I really enjoy the sales and marketing side. The expert trade live thing isn't scalable. So how do we make more of an impact to our community? And we sort of came up with this on demand learning. So basically taking what we've got as a workshop and this content needs to be tweaked slightly um, because we're trying to make it into a course. And that's where these three different things sit. So you've got a workshop, which is like more interactive. Mm-hmm. You've got a course, which is, hey, here's this piece of content to learn and do. And then you've got a seminar, which is like a talker for two hours or an hour, high level like strategy stuff. What we're trying to do now is take the Expert Trades Live workshops, package them up into courses to make them more accessible for basically all of our community so it scales.
1: Yeah and there's I think we're in the uh, the age of sort of self-learning as well with mm-hmm. because the internet is literally everywhere. You don't necessarily need to go you don't need to go to do a uni course or anything like that to learn like marketing strategies and things there are there's loads of free advice out there for for example marketing you can just youtube it. Mm-hmm. Um but I think people just because, because of that people are geared towards just finding stuff and and teaching themselves. Um, But I think that because we've got a relationship with the community and things like that, that we're kind of coming from a more authority, authoritative
0: position. Completely agree. I also think it's, like you say, everything's available on YouTube for free, um, but the content that we create is specifically for trades professionals and because we've built over 550 websites for trades people like we know our stuff like we know what's working we know what we need to work mm-hmm. on so I guess the idea of putting this on the podcast for the listeners was again we're just trying to share the journey and there's some thinking to do in terms of like where does this fit in with the overall business mission to make sure that it does feed like take us on the journey towards the end goal of what we're trying to build? Or does this become like this tangent that we go and chase and it's a distraction and doesn't feed, it might generate revenue, it might generate members, but how does it actually play into the big mission of the business? So we've had to think about that. So I wanted to sort of like jump on maybe every four weeks and give you an update uh, from a listener's perspective in terms of how we're rolling out Expert Trades Academy, because I think the audience that we speak to, online courses, it's a hot topic right now but it's so easy to just hit a camera and expect to charge for something. But I think there's a lot more behind the scenes in terms of how operationally it works in terms of like the funnel, like a traditional course funnel looks like free content that is the teaser into Mm. paid content. And then most people then tend to feed them into um, masterminds, focus groups, coaching. Like that's not our strategy because that sort of brings us back into the problem that we've got now where it's not scalable. So and a quick shout out to Sam Wilcox because I I did it with him the other day and he sort of helped me shape my thinking around this because he he knows this space quite well. Where I'm trying to get to is free content to help as many members as possible. And that'll be sales and marketing from like myself. And then we'll bring in uh, people with expertise in different areas. Like I've already tapped Sam up. I want him to come and do an email marketing course because he knows email marketing really well and automation all that good stuff.
1: Just to jump in. Obviously, we're kind of doing this because it solves the scalability. Is Expert Trades Live a, like a, a moneymaker or is it just something that we do to kind of strengthen our position within the community and then build relationships? Like, what is the angle and the point of doing
0: all of this? So, if that makes sense. Do you mean Expert? No, oh, 100%, it's a great question. Do you mean so, Expert Trades Live in its form today or what we're moving towards with Expert Trades Academy? Uh, both. If you can answer both. Yeah, of course. So Expert Trades Live today, we wouldn't be able to do it unless we had a sponsor. So the reason that we do it for heat engineers is because our partner, Baxi, um, amazing relationship with those guys at Baxi. Mm -hmm. And what they want to do is they want to help all heat engineers have better sales funnel, better marketing funnel so they can sell more boilers. Because one, it builds a relationship with Baxi. And two, if they're already fit in Baxi, if they sell more boilers, Baxi benefit. Yep. So they actually pay me to go and put on these courses and subsidize the cost for the trade, uh, which is great. Um, so from that perspective, it helps us keep the relationship with Baxi because they're a partner, mm-hmm. which means they're on a retainer. Um, and it also allows me to go and spend lots of time with our community. So it's sort of revenue making, but not hugely profitable mm-hmm. but the upside of the community work that we do is amazing because yeah. i get to meet 150 members a year some of them come from the backseat community some come from ours but we get to spend time with these people and build relationships shake hands the trade professionals yeah. press the flesh sort of attitude uh, and it goes a long way um but not very profitable to be honest uh, it probably wipes its own face yeah um but then everything is a learning curve so Without doing Expert Trades Live, we wouldn't have seen, because all these events are sold out now, we wouldn't have seen the uptake in terms of the demand from the trade. And we would never have had the confidence to just go and build Expert Trades Academy without all these learnings. Also, the workbook we've created has tweaked over time because the more and more of these sessions that you do, you get better at doing it and you hear the same questions coming up and then you can amend the content. So we're in a really strong position now for for those two courses. From an Expert Trades Academy perspective, it definitely needs to be profit making. Mm Largely because we're going to be hiring people to manage it. Like you've got a new person starting with us a week today yeah. who's kind of going to have like a core responsibility for at least a couple of months of getting all this content shot and edited. And there's a big cost to the business there. So how I'm thinking about it from a revenue perspective is I want to put out as much free courses as possible, as much, as many free courses as possible. And that's because we want to help as many of our community. However, We both know, especially with our app, if people pay for something, they do it. If we just start putting out free content left, right and center, people won't watch it or value it. So we're definitely gonna have a price ticket on some of the paid content. Because by making it paid, it allows us to hire the right people to keep making good quality content. And that's how I think about it. In terms of uh, aspiration, in terms of profit, don't care. As long as it wipes its own face and we're adding value to the community, Mm -hmm. absolutely fine. And I think because of the nature of it being
1: pre-recorded, it in theory should at some point cover the costs that it took to make it. And then anything else is a bonus because it will ideally be able to sort of sit online for two or three years and still be fairly relevant.
0: Yeah, exactly. So there'll be some more evergreen content that we make, Mm -hmm. which is sort of the... um, So Sam actually came up with some good ideas like the why you should care about Facebook ads as an example should be free content. As in, hey, guys, we've got these courses on Facebook ads, but here's why you should care about it. Here's what's happening macro. More users are on Super Facebook. Super level. Yeah, free. This is just like three pieces of work, mm-hmm. why Facebook ads matter. And then you go into the the what and the, like then you get into the details of, actually, here's how you run Facebook ads. And then you can have mini courses on top of that, which is how to run Facebook dynamic ads with their new creative function. Yep. Like we can then- just really zooming zoom in. in. And because I'll have to get- really good at it i'm not going on camera until i know the shit out Mm. of it like it's gonna it's gonna give me time to stay on top of my game which i'm looking forward to um i went i felt like i went off on a tangent then what does that mean (laughs) i was just like i'm super like passionate about this right now
1: does that mean though if we're shifting to this online platform as it were does that mean we're kind of drawing a line through the lie nah, the great, actual yeah, ET lives or no nah, awesome question to, to be fair because you did say that we get a lot of value from getting people in the room and because the, the one thing you don't get with an online course is someone will buy it sweet money in the bank but then beyond that it's like did they finish it yes or no why didn't they like these are things that you're not going to pick up unless they were in the room at the time and kind of raised their hand saying not really understanding what this is where they could drop off if it was
0: just like a video course? Yeah, great question. So um, where I'm thinking about taking this is having, I want to build Expert Trades Academy as a brand. Mm -hmm. So trades professionals know if I'm looking to learn a piece of content to build my business, they go to Expert Trades Academy. There's free courses, there's paid courses. Um, Off the back of it, when we're launching full courses, so let's just say our sales course, um, I would like to run that course as a live course once or twice. By that time, we'll have enough people that know about the brand. I can run it maybe free, maybe at a heavily discount, taste the room in terms of like what's going on, what the questions yeah. like what people are asking before we package it up into a paid course. So I think we'll always have some live um, part of the Expert Trades Academy, mm-hmm. but I would probably say it will shift towards probably 90% online and 10% live. And some people will see it and be like, I, just, I would rather do this in person. We just have to make that premium.
1: Do you th- yeah, I was, that's literally what I was about to say. Do you think
0: you then put more of a ticket price on the live events because... You've got to. Or we carry on having an amazing relationship with a partner who subsidizes the cost. Um, But I would say, for me, it's about impacting more of our community. And then if we sort of like pull it back into how does this feed into the core mission of the business... There's some really interesting things that can happen if we if we map this out over the next sort of like three, five years. So one, we become the trusted authority to help traders run the business. That's like core to us. We then produce free content around the importance of online reviews. We talk about Facebook and their recommendations and Google. And we also talk about this service called Verified, which is our own review platform. So we get to plug our services mm-hmm. in the free content, keeping it all 100% great feedback and great advice, but we get to then tell people about what we do how to make admin easy. We can talk about our app, the importance of an online presence. We can talk about our websites. We can actually drive leads for our existing products and services using content marketing, like you said at the top of the show. Mm -hmm. Um, So that plays into the, the core business. And then if I go really macro and I say, actually, what's the big vision here? It would be that whenever a product or a brand come out with something new. So let's just say our partners, our friends over at Baxi come out with a new boiler and that boiler comes out with a 10 year warranty. There's 80,000 heating engineers in the country, and let's say 20,000 of them are aware and fit Baxi. If Baxi created content for Expert Trades Academy, and the heating engineer went through that course, and by completing the course, answering the questions got a certificate that got him an extra one year warranty. If you think about the growth impact Mm -hmm. that would have for our community, it would be phenomenal. Like if we can position ourselves as the place that when a brand comes out, and we want to get in front of a community, we've got our members, they go, actually, we need to create content for the Expert Trades Academy and they need to drive some value for that member for completing that course. But if we can get that loop working, it will, it will completely change our business because then every brand that comes out with a new product sees us as a must-do channel to help get that product, those features, those benefits across to their users because that's the thing they really struggle with. They can make all the products in the world. Our friends at Monument Tools, they can manufacture mm-hmm. anything. Yeah. But how do they get all those product features across their customer base yeah. they can't they struggle and, and again just
1: going back to obviously it is a live thing and we're trying to move this online are we
0: going to test this or do we just know it will work so we definitely don't know it's going to work um, and I actually jumped into our Facebook community the other day and put a live stream and I had very mixed opinions on it mm-hmm. in terms of like no because these guys are used to uh, in-person training. They they do live training with brands when they're learning a new boiler, a filter, whatever it is. Pretty
1: sure a lot of the time it's just a bit of a jolly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they get to write it off, actually learn something, but it's a bit but of, me, it's a day me, yeah, off the tools. Meet other people that are just like them mm. that go through the same struggles. Whereas we're asking them to hunch over the laptop at two in the afternoon. Agree. And we'll, we'll naturally... Some people enjoy it for the jolly side. The people that will buy our courses, which is what's interesting, are likely going to be the ones that complete it. Mm. In terms of like, will it be successful? We don't know. In terms of what's the downside of trying it, not that big. Uh, and then I kind of went in with the fact that we need to have all these courses live before we go live and pulled me and was like, no you don't, just go live with the course mm. and see how people resonate with it. I thought that probably makes a lot more sense. Yeah. So we're we're looking to do bring on an accountant to do a free course for our members as an authority piece that will help build the expert trades academy brand uh, and then we're looking to do something with a uh, leasing company about vehicles uh, and then we're looking to do some introduction high level stuff why they should improve their sales what is marketing and then we'll take our sales and marketing course and put it onto the expert trades academy and then work out um are people consuming these courses are people paying for these courses mm-hmm. um, and are people actually finishing them most importantly um and then for us from a from a cost basis is we'll, we'll be diligently tracking the time that we spend on the production of the course, the marketing of the course, the editing, uh, and then we'll just assign a cost base to it. So if we can work out like a video course takes a day of my time, a day of yours and Connor's time. Um, so we're looking at three days in plus some promotion. Let's just say it's five days work all in all. We can assign a cost to that mm. and then we can see how long it takes us to get that cost paid back in terms of. Uh, people buying the course if it becomes profitable we just sort of like press the green light and we say cool uh, we need to go and find people to create content for expert trades academy and then grow it that's the that's the plan
1: no i'm excited for it. it's um it's in my uh wheelhouse anyway i think it's it's a great little project for connor to work on yep because it's not not low risk because obviously it's very important that we get it right and it's and you don't want to spend an entire day shooting something that's out of focus or whatever? But, I'd kill him. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, because he because he's a kind of a junior role coming in, but because it's a controlled environment as well, I think it's just a really nice project. Yeah, and it's kind of a, a an ongoing thing that he can sort of make his own as well. Obviously, we're going to try and keep it nice and well shot and all that jazz. But yeah. I'm excited for Yeah, I completely agree. Keep I him, think that's
0: yeah. that sort of like fed into it in terms of new person in the team, what can we do for them that is not really client facing because I don't really want mm-hmm. him to, too much on client facing projects for probably the first 3-6 months. Well, I think
1: I think also is what's happened is through no, no it's not an issue. It's obviously a good thing cuz they pay the bills, but my time's been taken over by client projects only. Yeah. So like like how many, when was the last time we did something that was expert trades focused? I don't, don't remember. Because we're t- we're too busy because we always work with clients first, but yeah, having a new person in the team where it's like cool fresh slate. Where do we start and working? The same with um, with Leon. Mm-hmm. Now that we've actually got someone in house that can design stuff, and it's like cool. Go design. Look at everything that's happened from that
0: hundred percent. And I think one thing that, uh, not for today's show, because we we'll are going too long, but I, at the point of recording this, last week I spent two days at of the office, Thursday, Friday. And I think one of the things that we could probably speak about and mics might be interesting is how your role now progressing into mm. a management role. You've got like two direct reports as of next week and rolling through what your key responsibilities are in terms of like profit margin. So I think what it will force you to do is work out, actually you have a set profit margin to make in the business now from the creative services department. And if you can see that margin gr- growing, it, these are made at numbers, but let's just say your KPI is 25% and you're hitting 50, it actually gives you the flexibility to say, actually, we're, we're not going to go after more client projects. Mm. We're going to spend this week, this month on expert trades, academy work, because I can afford to, if it's not impacting my monthly margin, that, mm. that will pay itself back within three months. Let's make that bet now because it's, you're still going to hit KPIs. Do you know what I'm saying? Is like there's, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's some more mechanics in the business that will give you more freedom on, what you spend your time on
1: cool uh we shall leave it there let's take a quick break adam and then we will be back with listener questions so adam we have another listener question that was emailed in ready to startup diary at
0: nbs.fm this one's from jamie not our jamie not jamie we know very well listen to the show jamie J- f I don't want to say this for (laughs) now. I'll know from the question. Where are we? This one's from
1: Jamie C. Sorry if this has been covered before, but I'm new to the podcast. Definitely not Jamie F.
0: Definitely not Jamie F.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Really enjoying listening to you two guys each week. To give you a little bit of context, I'm currently working in a small agency and me and a friend, also colleague, are looking to go out on our own to start our own agency. I wanted to know what books you would recommend we read to think more about the business side of running an agency. We have the creative side nailed down and have been exposed to the business deals within our shop, but it's time to start learning. Appreciate any advice and thanks for being so consistent with the show.
0: (laughs) He's obviously a new listener because the days of the old war cry, we're back. Uh, Anyway, sorry. Yeah, I I really interrupted. Yeah, uh, and then just top work. Basically, yeah. To, so, stuff to recommend to a current creative within an agency who's looking to step out uh, and build his own creative, his own creative agency with a colleague. Yeah, is that' right. Uh, okay, so I'll try and keep this brief. Um, I think, and again, I think we covered some of these off, so um, I will whistle through these. I think one of the super important ones is a book called Built to Sell. That's by John Warrelow. It sort of takes the form of um, a fictional story of an agency owner, and it's all about building the process. Sorry, a fictional story. Yeah, so it gets the, the learnings that you need to get across. I know most business books are more like just fact, Here's the case. Yeah, it's not this is me and my role. Yeah, I actually really like this one because it builds everything you need to know into a fictional story of an agency owner and takes you on his journey to get your message across. And I really like the way it comes across. Um, It's all about building processes within your business and it is actually an agency, um, the the narrative, uh, from a guy who does sort of more creative logo and branding. And how he becomes a bottleneck in the business. There's no processes. And even if you don't plan to sell the business, it's more about how you build a scalable system within the business. So uh, Built to Sell by John Um uh, I'm just going to make a, a massive assumption that creatives are very, very poor at selling. Um, the second book I would recommend is Pitch Anything by Olin Clough. And I believe you've actually listened to this book or did you read it? I have listened to it, yeah, because he, he actually reads it. Yeah, I like him. I, I like... Can't remember a lot about it, but I, I, it was about, it's like framing and the crock brain. Framing, crock yep. brain, yep. Uh, the, the principles of uh, people chasing things that move away from them, how he positions business deals. He kind of goes a bit high level in the book, but I'm recommending this to make a very uh, sweeping judgment of creatives are creators for a reason. They're very poor at selling. And I think that... Um, every every business owner needs to learn the ability to sell and I think there's the principles in this book that will just help you think about selling in the correct way uh, and then you can uh, there's a bunch of other books that you could then go into and if he reads that one and follows up with me I'll recommend probably the next five sales books because I'd probably say that's the weakest is it Say It's uh, Jamie. I probably say the weakest yeah. point for Jamie and his colleague, unless his colleague is like an account manager on the operational side within the agency, they're probably weakest on, on business um, and sales. So I'd say read Ollenkopf's book or listen to it. I enjoy it on Audible. Um, it will just help them think about um, the sales process in the correct way. And then the third book... And then for the third book, I had to quickly check the, the authors of this one because I always I always get it wrong. So I've just made a quick note um, is Traction by Gabriel Weinberg and Justin Mears? I used to think it was just written by Gabriel Weinberg. Did it on a previous show and someone called me out on it. So Traction's a really good book for a creative to start thinking about We talk about sales and marketing here, basically. I've realized Mm -hmm. all my books sort of go into sales and marketing. So one, the process from the agency side, old and cloth, pitch anything, sales, marketing. You guys are probably really good. I'm just making a sweeping judgment here of the creative, but the ability to generate and close leads is where your business is going to die. Um, So traction is a way to start thinking about how you use different marketing channels to win business basically Uh, 19 or 22 different marketing channels it will give you a framework to test those and I think that as a creative person you you want to be doing the creative work the sales and marketing is going to be the thing that you need to learn to the most So I'd say spend some time working on how to Mm -hmm. get customers through different channels uh, and then roll that out and while I'm here just to throw my two cents one thing I will throw in is go and listen to our previous show I think it was episode two three eight is that right Three two, eight. Three two eight. There you go. Um, because we had a list short change in, is there, mate? <laughs> we had a listener question in there, um, which was all about uh, two people coming together to start a new business and how they are structuring it in terms of equity and roles. And I think there were some key learnings in there. We had some good feedback of that show. Uh, go and listen to that to make sure you're thinking about structuring the business in the right way. And the last thing I'll throw in—it's probably not my place to say—but go and read your contracts if you're currently working in an agency Mm. and you're thinking about setting up your own agency, make sure that you are 100% clear on what you can and what you cannot do in terms of, can you start a business with a colleague? How long do you have to be outside of the business before you can start speaking to existing clients? is there some contractual obligations that means you cannot go and speak to the same people that you've been speaking to in your agency for last year, two, three, five years. So go and make sure wow. that you are watertight on your contracts. Otherwise, you might build something and it's built on a, a tower of cards. Uh, and then two years later, you end up with a lawsuit. And it sounds very American, but this happens in the UK too. If you step over those lines, your current agency will not be happy and they will chase you. Um, so just make sure you know what you can and you can't do. Scary. So learn how to sell and make money first and then worry about operations later. Selling. <laughs> Selling sellin solves everything. But I, I, I make this I make this sweeping statement because all the creatives that I meet, they're creators for a reason because they enjoy the craft. Whereas the it's, same reason yeah, with our business, trades professionals, um, they become they're accidental business owners for a reason. They want mm. to do the work. They want to be on the tools. So this guy probably wants to be in Photoshop or Illustrator or Premiere or whatever it is. He doesn't want to be knocking on doors, like cold calling potential clients to run their social media accounts or do their new billboards. But he's got to learn to do that. Otherwise he's gonna be sat on his top with no work to do, money going out the bank and he's gonna go bankrupt. Like you have to learn these skills to run a business. That's why people think running your own business is the best thing since life spread. But if you can come in like you, you get to come in and enjoy what you do Mm -hmm. in this business. If you had to come in and then like find your own business, close the business, run the sales, run the negotiation, like you would spend all your time doing that and 25% of your time on the actual creative. So work out where you're weak, learn, and then very quickly hire, which is not what I got into, it's probably going off topic here, but very quickly hire the stuff that you don't enjoy or are bad at. So go and find, once you've got enough money in the bank, don't go and buy something fucking stupid, go and hire someone to run sales for your business. If you want to become the creative, go and hire someone to do the sales. Like that should be the mission. That's, uh, that's my two cents. Cool. Hopefully that answers. Well, it's given you a few books to read there,
1: Jamie. Follow up once you have actually read or listened to them. Remember, guys, you, if you've got a question, you can send it in to startupdiary at nbs.fm. For now, Adam, let's take a quick break and then we will be back with <laughs> the third part of the show. <laughs> <laughs> we are back once again.
0: For the renegade master. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Adam, what have you been up to this week? Uh or what are you what's planned for this week? Uh I never, so, I never know how to phrase oh. this, you know. Like it's like cause we, cause we record on like a Tuesday. Yeah, we're kind of like in it's, the like, week already. Just about like we record on what is technically the worst day of the week. Wednesday's not the worst day, but we won't get into that
0: right now. Anyway, sorry to go off on the tangent there. I'm used to it. Um so <laughs> I guess, point recording this, yesterday, actually, an absolute side note, how do you think the All Hands meet went yesterday? I tried, like, a different energy. How did you feel? I liked it, mate. Did you enjoy it? Yeah. You know me, mate. I love a good meeting. I really enjoyed it. I just tried to come at it uh, a lot more structure, uh, a lot more pace, and... Don't know a, a bit more fun and it felt like energies were high throughout and everyone left motivated i think from the performance coaching thing i'm going through it's i'm thinking about two things here and it's probably one for a future show but one the content that you deliver but yeah. two the feeling you're trying to leave people with uh that's sort of like as i build presentations out. yeah as i build presentations out now i'm thinking the one one thing is a content but then how will this make them feel because how i deliver it will impact how they how they feel about it. So that's coming into my presentation styles now for the first time ever. And I'm I'm quite enjoying it.
1: Yeah, I would definitely say that that was, um, now that I'm thinking about it, it was, there was an energy that was like, yes, everything's going well. And like, here's some numbers. Here's where we're at. Here's some whatever. Like, yeah, definitely
0: noticed the uh, the energy. Yeah, and it's like playing into like the core values that I was trying to build. Like that was transparency and like sharing that stuff with you. So I enjoyed it. Thought it went well. Probably on for the show. Um, but this week... Dinner with Connor tonight, the new video for joining the team. Looking forward to that.
1: Yeah, it's going to be good. That kind of feeds into um, what we were talking about at the top of the show about um, Expert Trades Academy. It's going to be his responsibility. But also we need to understand what he wants to do, where he's at, what skills he wants to sort of uh, just like drive forward and progress in what areas and things like that. So I think having him, hence why we are having a meeting with him before he starts the company. Mm -hmm. So we can see where he's at, what he wants to
0: do, and then... He's probably got some ideas himself, maybe. Yeah, and I think the, the goal for me is to meet him and be, basically say, like, to use a Richard Chappell analogy, is, listen, we're trying to get to Paris. Mm. And then what I want to do is sort of CEO and go, like, you guys, this is where we're trying to get to. He... I want to just get a feel for who he is as a person. I think mm-hmm. that's important for me. But then the creative team will work out the journey to go on. So I think if we can set the vision, uh, like we can work out skill set where he's at. Because what I don't want to do is say we're going to Paris if he's got no passport. As an analogy, like we need to make sure where he's at skill wise yep. to make sure we set the right destination. So then you can manage him to get him to the destination. Is what we're yeah we're trying to get to. Um, so we've got that. Looking forward to it. Um, we've got the key responsibilities rollout that I'm doing this week. So last week, spent Thursday, Friday out the office was absolutely amazing for me. Just jumping between coffee shops every two hours. Um, And that was... Why every two hours? uh, I've realized that's when I get a bit like energy's down, need a break. If I work into like two and a half, three hours on the same thing in the same place, I'm just not productive, not efficient. Um, So... Top three coffee shops, Go. Starbucks near me in Ashby, mm-hmm. very airy. Is what I, like. I tell
1: you what, they the space is nice, yep. but the AC is always on. AC and it's correct, freaking freezing.
0: I agree, in yeah, there all the time. So, uh, Starbucks Ashby number one, um, two hundred degrees in Birmingham solid coffee shop uh, it's really mm-hmm. cool uh, great food uh, and then the third one uh, I've just got to plug my mate's coffee shop he's got a chain of uh, urban coffee company uh, Simon Jenner uh, a friend of mine um, he's got three or four coffee shops in Birmingham cool places they do, do a, a
1: nice b- breakfast in there
0: as well great breakfast Real nice. bottomless brunch now they do is uh, it with a Prosecco or something That's oh. like yeah exactly <laughs> what are we doing here <laughs> uh, so yeah so did that? Spent two days at of the office, and I think it was an education piece for me. On I've come back in like so clear this mm-hmm. week, and happy, and focused that I need to spend more time working on the business. Well,
1: we've we keep I'm sure we keep talking about it on the show as well, but it's you. It, that is literally the definition of like either wasting time doing the day to day tasks, or mm-hmm. do you level? Do you not level up? Do you t- take the role of CEO and go higher
0: level? That's where I'm at now. Yeah. Uh Co- sounds like coaching is really having a It really a is, effect. man. It really is. It's making me think about things in I don't want to say the correct way but a different way cuz I think everyone's mm. unique but it's it- it's me stepping into the role that I want to do Mm. and not feeling guilty about thinking time, which is like the word, when you say it out loud, it sounds so dumb, but I feel guilty about thinking compared to doing. Whereas-
1: See, see, I know that your thinking time would be very productive because you'll have notepad out, iPad, whatever it may be, and there'll be loads of notes Mm -hmm. and just like diagrams and all sorts. If I had thinking time, (laughs) I'd be like staring out the window
0: and then three hours of goodbye and be like, what was I here for? But, But you know what? That's a really interesting point because- as you move into like the management role within your department now is the stuff that, that's why I'm calling like a manager's meeting. We're gonna have breakfast Mm. together every two weeks because the stuff that I'm learning and the stuff that Matt does really well with his team, the managers within the company are gonna start meeting to share best practice. What I'm going through, what I'm learning, you guys need to know about because they're the skills that we want to roll out throughout the whole company it's not just for me it's about the whole company so i'm looking forward to those so key responsibility roll out this week which is where for the first time ever and yes it's embarrassing to say it uh, but for the first time ever we will have a a deck a a presentation where anyone in the company can click into it and see who people are what they are responsible for within the company their kpis their reports as in the reports they need to generate Mm -hmm. and their direct reports or who they report into. Um, Just so so we're we're growing a little bit faster now. There's a bit more pace in the company. And especially when we move into our new office at the end of the year, we'll probably be hiring one to two people a month is what I've worked out. Um, Yeah, when you said that, that was insane. Yeah, but I I, I rolled out the next 18 months for us and it it looks like we'll be hiring at minimum one person a month on average next year, um, which is mental. It just means... Not to dive too much into that, but what... Sort of, what kind
1: of staffing is that? Is that across departments, or is, or yeah? So you just feel like we just want to drip feed a new pair of hands nah, into so the company.
0: To be honest, like it, it's, it's very technical how have I've done this sort of org chart. Is I know what we're aiming. So how I've done it, without boring you to death, is built the budget out mm-hmm. for the end of this year and our next financial year. Next financial year is like guesswork. Mm-hmm. Um, so our financial year starts in April, but when you build the budget out, then you have to work out. I actually got this from Richard Chappell. So you build the budget out for like two, three years and you actually, when we're turning over 5 million quid, what does the company look like? And then wind that back in every year. And then you work out the company looks like this. These are the roles that need to be in place. So I want to be thinking three to six months ahead now because we've got some money in the bank. I want to be three to six months ahead in the hiring process because we know how hard it is to hire people. Mm-hmm. If I want to hire someone today, I might be six months behind when they actually hit bump on seat. So actually... If I know where i'm trying to get to and i'm confident in what we're building i should be hiring those people ahead of that curve to get them up to speed um so i kind of know what the company structure looks like and it's all across like alan will have two people working underneath him within nine months that's that's the plan like you will have another creative we'll have another leon in the team uh from a designer's perspective we'll we're hopefully going to have another two back-end developers sorry mark would correct me full stack developers within the company like there's It's basically filling out every department now because the department is a department but the department might be one person strong Mm -hmm. like danny batch verified like he needs support and verified he needs to hit his kpis before he gets that support but he's going to do it he's he's an a player Mm -hmm. so rolled all this out and that's the sort of like i could literally flick month on month for you for 18 months on a presentation and show you the people and they go from gray to green on this thing they just we just turn them on like this is the Mm auction. this is this is who we're building out cool uh, and then board meeting board meeting nothing else to say <laughs> actually okay i come i always come at a board meeting with a little bit of sass i don't uh, know you've come I, i'm I come, sure you've I've come, come back. around i've you, come around yeah yeah the last board meeting sorry the last two board meetings i've actually because don't forget ceo the book always stops with me if i'm not getting the most out of my board meetings it's always my fault regardless of what's said and done and uh who's in the room and what dynamic is there it's down to me to better manage my board yeah. i feel like I've done it comes down to the coaching like I'm addressing situations in a different way now um, in terms of just having more of a macro long-term view uber transparent in terms of how I'm feeling and I think one thing that I've been naturally done is a little bit more defensive with the board because sometimes it feels like I'm a punching bag in those board meetings and literally walking into a board meeting three months ago I was like listen guys we're getting somewhere, the business is going well, but here's what I'm struggling with. And when I come into these rooms, here's how I feel and here's why. Can we address these before we get started? And then just like bringing everyone back onto the same page and on the journey because even though we probably want different things for the business, we have to get on the same page. Uh, And it's my responsibility to take people on that journey. Um, And I feel like I'm doing a better, it's it's far from there, but I feel like I'm doing a better job of it now. Um, So I'm looking forward to seeing how the next sort of six to nine months progress within the company um from a just a pure management perspective and i mean with our internal managers uh, and then me managing the board which is something that i think every ceo first time ceo is definitely going to struggle with uh, there's probably a, a bunch of different conversations i've had or currently having with people taking investment that are like "Fuck, did not expect <laughs> it to be like this so it'd be cool to get some of those on the mic for startup stories actually Cool. And then finally, what we're into this week, mate? No change for me, man, to be honest. Last, last time we spoke about this, it was Expert Trades uh, Academy, as we're now calling it. Um, I'm just really passionate about this project right now. So how I'm splitting my time up is sort of like uh, working on accounts for brands, working on the team, uh, and then sort of like 20% of my time is working on like projects. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd probably say it's the only projects I'm looking at right now is Expert Trades Academy, Building the foundations, building and blocking and the strategy for that. Get Connor onto the team. Start filming some content, and then see where that goes. So, I spent some time with Sam Wilcox, which I enjoyed. Uh, he's a good thinker about this, this mm. space. space. Yes, uh, good questions as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's a cool guy. Um, it was weird. We had we had dinner I don't know, last week, and when we first met, he said it, and I agreed. Like, we got on but we probably felt we were very different people hmm. like I thought he was like, like fucking like super laid back and like fucking <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like fucking like rip your throat out mentality not to him but I'm like let's go and he's like hmm. whoa let's, oh we're okay uh, but what's really weird is like we're actually like so well, the more time we spent together we realized just how similar we are uh, so we go for dinner at the night every four weeks and I, well, that's one thing I'd recommend is if you find good people, like try just try and spend more time mm. with them. Uh, it, it's it's amazing what will come off the back of it. And, and we're doing a bit of work with Sam right now yep. from expert trades to other stuff. Um, yeah, so good thinker, expert trades academy. Um, he's actually helping me just like build the process on the back end in terms of like which on-demand learning platform to use. There's stuff like Teachable, Thinkific, and all this stuff. Um, Jesus. Yeah, like I've had to explain to Sam what I'm trying to achieve, and he's he's helping me work out. What's the right platform to does use? Does he,
1: he does he know all of these things already, or is or has he done some research when he's reeling off these platforms and systems? My,
0: my assumption is he he knows he knows enough to know enough, mm-hmm. and then he knows how to ask the right questions. That basically makes me vomit everything that I'm thinking, and then he'll go, okay. So you, you an example. I said I want the, I want the ability to have certifications at the end of a course. Mm-hmm. So if it was like a product, they could have like a hey, you've got an extra year warranty on your backseat boiler certificate. And he's like, ah shit, okay. And he's gonna work out what's the best platform to do that. So the reason that Sam's involved is because one getting the right platform is one thing, but how we automate it and connect mm-hmm. our community so we know how to trigger the right comms off if they're an office package customer, all this crazy shit on the back end yep. that he's really good at. Um that's that's why he's involved now compared to me going to him in through months time and saying, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> Help. Yeah. Uh, so that's what I'm into. How about you? Um, not much change. Well, a lot
1: change, but not much different from sort of last week. I'm obviously transitioning platforms at the moment just w- in regards to editing. Um, actually took a plunge on it this week and tried to do a project using Premiere.
0: Okay, cool. How was that? <laughs> um, <laughs> Laughable, apparently. Yeah, it's
1: uh, it's all right. It's... But no, it's it's good. It it does everything you need, and probably it it's really interesting to move to a new platform that does the same thing, but obviously looks and feels completely different. Mm-hmm. And like, and you know me, mate. I don't like change anyway. But I was like, cool. I'm gonna give it a go. Watched a load of stuff online just to get a feel for it, anyway. And so I knew when I jumped on it yesterday, I knew a few little things that would at least make it feel a little bit more um smoother mm-hmm. just to try and give it a go obviously i was learning see the, the, the difference is i wasn't learning something completely brand new it's like i knew what i wanted to do and i know what i'm looking for I just don't know where to find it if that makes sense yeah so it was just interesting it's interesting to use just a different tool set basically it's like like whenever anyone that's used Photoshop. You know what Photoshop can do. You can put someone on the moon. You can put two people in a room together that have never met. Like you can make it look amazing. You can make you can make a picture completely different. I've seen. I've even seen once where someone made a slice of pizza into a woman. It was like it was this picture of. He finds some shit on YouTube. It was like you? it was like so There's a video. It's a time lapse video, and it's a, it starts out as a picture of a woman. And it's reverse time lapsing, and basically it goes back to a slice of pepperoni pizza that they've just warped and changed and adjusted colors and things that's like cool. that so like I know it's like you know what it can do but if someone say, cool now do it yourself you're like okay don't know where anything is because there's so many options so many buttons so many drop downs
0: yeah it's like getting on a plane and knowing this thing can take off and then being put in the cockpit and saying <laughs> yeah. fly the plane yeah exactly yeah
1: like you know some you know you're looking for the throttle yeah but you don't know where the throttle is and you know you need to use the wings but you don't know where I love the little flap you don't know, you don't know where the didn't. wing where the wing button is <laughs> sort of thing so yeah so that's just been really interesting. Um, but yeah it,
0: yeah it's cool it's, cool I'm looking forward to an update on different. that um, just in terms of it would be interesting to get on the show to work out how efficient you the efficiency that you're losing now and then the gain that hopefully the team is making in three six months time I think it sounds dead boring it might be not be for the podcast but that's what I care about in terms of like mm. how how is this going to help speed up the whole department
1: see I actually right now yes. just from what I feel is that I think Final Cut as a, as, uh, as a piece of software is just faster. Mm-hmm. And I kind of do that anyway. But like, I mean like, f- not just like faster on the back end, but like certain, th- just because of the layout, everything, for example, everything's in like a drop down menu mm-hmm. for Premiere. Whereas with Final Cut, there's certain things that are just to hand, yeah, as widget, it were. Widgets. So yeah. it's kind of that but it might but it might not have everything that premiere does so it's like it's that trade-off of like not having something right there i've got to go and click three more times to find something again i could probably solve these things with hotkeys but it just feels like right now the thing we're gaining is Mm cross-platform compatibility which is obviously a no-brainer but the the tool itself like if you if potentially if i had the choice i'd probably work with Final Cut because it's Mac native and it's just faster. Yeah, if, if like you that. ran your,
0: a single person agency, right, like, and you were the creative, you'd one hundred percent stick with Final Cut. But I think I think I could probably I,
1: I'll get just as quick. It's just it's just really interesting to see differences in platforms. I, again, it, one one's a, one size fits most. Yeah, it's like Android and iOS. Blech. I'm sure Android can do all sorts of cool stuff, but it's so full of functions and features. Are you saying and that sorts? Adobe
0: in this situation is like?
1: Uh, I, I mean i mean like the principle of like yeah, when something provides you with all these options yeah. compared to something that is very refined onto a single and, and boxed in yeah restricted. And limited yep. to a single platform so yeah there's there's pros and cons to it so like what
0: that. you should do i think would be really interesting is in three months time like you do a what i've learned moving from final cut to adobe youtube video for our youtube channel mm. i think that could i think that could be really interesting to people
1: yeah, uh, I did think about actually filming, recording myself do, because this thing I was spent probably f- four, nearly five hours doing. Probably could have done in about an hour and a half. Wow. Because okay. Just because That's I knew, because cap. I had to, just because I knew what I was looking for, it was still quicker. But I still had to like Google how do I like trim and delete at the same time? Just simple things like that. So, so it was like do something,
0: can't find this, Google, there it is. Yeah, I'm getting there but yeah. Learning curve. Um, On that note, guys, we will wrap this up. Thank you so much for sticking around to the end of the show. If you have not yet hit that subscribe button, make sure that you go ahead and do it today and we drop a new show every single Monday. And guys, like you heard at the top of the show, don't forget to head over to your podcatcher of choice and leave us that five-star review and let us know where and why you listen to the show and it'll be read out on a future episode. And don't forget, if there's anything that we can personally help you with, you can drop us an email. It's startupdiary at nbs.fm. On that note, stay well, guys, stay busy, and we will see you next week.